0: This is the Paul Kirtley Podcast, episode 46.
1: The Paul Kirtley Podcast. Wilderness, bushcraft, survival skills and outdoor life.
0: Welcome, welcome to episode 46 of the Paul Kirtley Podcast. Now, my guest on this session is someone who has become a good friend in recent years. He's been on my podcast several times before and we've paddled the Spey River together which was documented in a series of videos that were enjoyed by many. Kevin Callan is a Canadian author of 18 books, many of them bestsellers. He's an experienced outdoor educator who is passionate about reconnecting people and nature through his works whether it be his books, presentations, videos, or working directly with students at risk. He's also fervent in his view that the wilderness we need in order to immerse ourselves in nature and enable those nature connections is best protected by getting people out on the land and having them learn to value and love it. This podcast was recorded a little while ago, so if you're listening not long after the release, Some of the references to the time of year may seem a bit off, but stick with it. The meat of the conversation, however, will remain relevant for years to come. We have a wide ranging conversation and this is typical for conversations with Kevin but the spur for this particular session was my wanting to talk to Kevin about his latest book which is quite different in some ways to his previous works as well as the trip around Algonquin on the notorious route known as the meanest link that provides the setting and backdrop for this book but by no means is it anything really specific to Algonquin and we'll get into that and there are much deeper concepts and areas that we discuss in this conversation. The Algonquin trip really just forms a backdrop for Kevin's latest writing as well as the conversation that we have here. The topics we touch on will have wide interest to many people and if you enjoy this podcast please also share it out with channels that you have access to facebook etc it's always appreciated to get these messages out to a wider audience so without further ado please enjoy this conversation with kevin callan okay can you just say something like testing one two three
1: three. how you doing
0: yeah that's coming through fine yeah cool so kevin you're back how are you good how are you very well very well I've just been out in the woods for a month, literally been back for a day. And uh, glad to see this in my diary, to uh, get on Skype with you and record another podcast. Um, you did some
1: forest bathing, did you, Paul?
0: I did plenty of forest bathing. I had a full cool. full immersion. That's <laughs> <laughs> becoming increasingly popular, that concept, isn't it, forest bathing?
1: Yeah, it is. And, and actually, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that actually people... Um, Need to have it to, to help their mental welfare, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we always have done that, but to actually have someone tell you to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, why I like forest bathing itself or being in the wilderness, the one biggest thing is you are who you are. There's no faking your character, there's no facade. Right. And I just love that part about wilderness. And if you don't like your boss, take them out on a spring trip in black fly season in Canada and just watch <laughs> them <live and> cry.
0: <laughs> if, if only, if only. Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of our own bosses, though. So that, we, that doesn't really apply to us. But I like the idea. I like the idea. I can think of some previous bosses where I might want to do that to them. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not mentioning any names. So. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I read some research a while ago. I can't actually remember where it was, but um, that even looking at pictures of green woodland is uh, – it, it actively reduces – it measurably reduces people's blood pressure and stress levels, literally just they've done some – somebody's done some research where they just asked people to look at pictures of nice woodland, and it was calming even when they weren't in the woodland, which is quite amazing, really.
1: I, I found that a really interesting – so we've had a really – uh, late spring here. And I love winter, so I'm not knocking not winter, but a lot of people are just like, come on, this isn't crazy. I mean, Algonquin is still frozen. Mm. Right? So, uh, I mean, it will be open soon, but people are getting a little anxious and a little crazy yeah
0: And we're Uh, we're recording this in early may yeah so it's it's, it is that is late isn't it Um,
1: yeah well truck season is open but you can't catch them because the the lake is frozen uh (laughs) but the idea of of what a lot of people are doing now is they're going to youtube and just watching channels that have a campfire burning for an hour that's all it is it's a sunset and a campfire wow and people just watch it almost like that christmas fireplace thing Mm. and it's just that they, they miss it so much
0: are we trying too hard with our youtube channels then you know, trying to well, rec- record lots of things and edit them into an interesting story when all we need to do is just put the camera on the campfire and just leave it running for a bit while we go off and do something else?
1: That's a really good question, you know, that you and I are, will be perplexed with for years and years and years. <laughs> I still think the storyline is m- the most important thing. But I got caught the other day. I was going to get a new camera. I was going to get a um, uh, oh a drone. I was going to fancy it all up and, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And then I realize, well, but it's really nice and visual. But is there a story? Mm. I think there there should be a story. But I don't know about you, but but I'm noticing too a lot of outdoor videos instead of the seven minute clip, they're they're turning into an hour, and two hour videos. Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. And I remember when I've, I mean, I'm not a big YouTuber, you know, I've got a modest following compared to a lot of the big outdoor channels out there now, but. And I don't publish videos very often, really, maybe not as often as I should. But what I have noticed is when I first started my YouTube channel, so sort of back in, when was it, about 2011, 2012, everyone was saying, oh, you've got to just answer one question do a re- or do a really simple video. You can't make it more than seven minutes long because people haven't got the attention span. And now you're seeing people pretty much making documentaries and really sort of feature-length videos um videos and people are watching them Uh it's, it's really interesting all the while we're being told that people's attention spans aren't what they used to be so it's kind of quite an interesting uh contradiction there in itself
1: you know i, I thought that too and then someone the other day told me that they watch uh one of the outdoor channels that goes on for like an hour and a half and i said why would you do that And he goes well i go and make dinner and do some chores while the video is playing. So I went, Oh, you don't sit there for an hour and a half. He goes, no, it's just a relaxation thing. I just like listening to someone talk about the outdoors. Whereas supposedly, and I still believe that YouTube is the number one thing to get information from. Like if you needed to fix your plumbing or you needed to fix your door, you go to YouTube. Right. Uh, So I I get that. Um, You know, I I went on the the Thames river last year and I did a eight video series, on the whole trip and it was an amazing trip and worked really hard to make this video series. And then right after that, that I camped somewhere at some campground in the middle of nowhere. And I did a little quick video on how to deal with lightning strikes in your tent. Well, it got like 50,000 views. My whole th- series that took me days and days and days and days to do got like 3000. Yeah. yeah. So, but
0: so I'm told now by people who know more than I do, um about youtube is it's not just about the views it's about the watch time now
1: yeah it is yeah so
0: i think a story is still going to win out isn't it if, if you if it make it engaging people are going to watch for longer than if it's just a, a short you're going to get more eyes on for longer even if it's fewer people doing that maybe you know sort of
1: yeah a lot of more people especially like sponsors for example you go to a sponsor and say okay can you give me money for this trip and then I show them my views uh, on YouTube. But what I love is showing my organic views, meaning mm-hmm. I didn't boost them. I didn't pay Facebook or whoever to actually boost it, which you can. And I, I get it. That's how Facebook makes a living. Like They want you to boost it. And if you boost it and give them money, they'll actually promote your channel or your, your page more. But when I say organic, like 98% of, of those 3,000 people looked at that page looked at it because I didn't pay anybody to it. The sponsor is going to say, I love that. Yeah.
0: Right? It's the same with these podcasts. I don't pay anybody to listen to them. They listen to them because they're interested in uh the guests that i have on um like yourself and the other people and they're interested in what we talk about and they listen to the whole thing you know if you look at the stats i mean people are listening from start to finish uh, you know and it's a, a conversation that lasts you know an hour an hour and a half or what have you and people are listening to them on their way to work you know in the car or on the bus or on the train or on plane journeys or while they're walking the dog or i had one guy telling me that he really um enjoys listening to how did he phrase it he goes you made uh, you made my ironing, my weekly ironing session so much more interesting because of your podcast.
1: <laughs> and this is why we're, we're, you and I are both waiting for that huge whiskey sponsorship.
0: Yes, indeed. Indeed. We've both got whiskey. We, it's a tradition. It's a tradition that whenever we meet or talk, we have to have a whiskey.
2: No, I'm
1: drinking something pretty cheap, though. I'm, I'm drinking famous grouse with, with ice. That's wrong. I should even tell people that this oh, is not a single malt; it's a blend. Famous Grouse is a pretty decent blend, though. Oh, I do like it. I just you know, I, I can't single malt all the time, you know.
0: No, no, you'd spoil yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and and we spoiled we spoiled you anyway by taking you down the spay.
1: Oh, I we? I pinch myself every day. We got to do that again.
0: Well, exactly that again.
1: Yes. (laughs) Someone from um, Joe Henry's Bourbon from uh, Wisconsin uh, phoned me the other day, which is really interesting. Someone actually phoned me and said, uh, hey, can you go down the Wisconsin River this year and do the same thing you did with the spay, but with bourbon? Awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yep, I'd be happy to. <laughs> yeah, and and if they pay you to to do it, even better. So,
2: it's
1: terrible, yeah. I know. It's typical te-
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> Our life is dude. we live terrible lives, Paul. I know, I know. We might not be rich men, but we, you know, it's a good life, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah well, like I, I like I say, I've just been in the woods for a, a month and it's been fantastic. You know, we've kind of gone from the back end of winter to all the deciduous trees coming out into leaf and you know looking nice and green and things warming up and yeah, it's 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 a nice. You know, it's not an easy lifestyle, but it's a nice lifestyle um, when you have those those benefits. Um, you mentioned the Thames River kevin let's um we have a thames river over here but you're not talking about that thames river are you you're talking about your thames river over in canada
1: no and i should have retitled my video series on youtube because everybody thinks i'm in england um right. <laughs> but uh yeah we have one in southern ontario and it's the most southern river in canada and it, it basically is a huck finn river and i i was brought up in southern ontario i, I now live near a park um but uh it, Yo, I think you get a certain point in your life where you want to go back to the familiar. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Um, it, you want to go back to what you did as a child. And I paddled that river as a kid. Uh, I paddled all the rivers in southern Ontario. They're probably a bit more wild back then than they were now. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I thought I'm going to paddle from the tributaries to the, to the mouth. And that's what everybody should do, no, no matter where, where it is start a river right where it starts and finish it where it finishes. Mm-hmm. And that's just an amazing journey, right? So I did that. It was about 400 kilometers. It took me eight days. I should have done it in 10 days because, you know, I was doing nine-hour days, whatever. But uh, it went through farm communities, went through hamlets, it went through cities. I got to say, though, that I was in the the sort the, of the river valley itself, so it was pretty wild most of the time. The Voyageurs, uh, they called it the respectable ditch, and that's what it was. It was one portage. It was 60 meters in eight days. Can you imagine that. So I just paddled the whole thing. Yeah, that's uh, nice. It had a lot to do with seeing people, though, uh, and visiting people. I stayed at a farm. I stayed with the First Nations people. Um, I stayed at a really fancy resort and put my tent on a really big bed. And slept <laughs> so, yeah,
0: it was pretty cool. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll certainly link to that. Uh, series for the for the listeners so they can in the show notes so they can check those out because your videos are always fun and uh, you always take people along on an event on an adventure with you so uh, yeah we'll 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 link to that but um speaking of links and adventures like my segue there um there's another thing that we should talk about which is your recent book and that's a kind of uh, it's a it's a benchmark in, in in a number of ways. I mean, I enjoyed your video series about the Algonquin trip. That was a few years ago now, wasn't it? When did you do that? Yeah,
1: trip? Yeah, so I turned fifty. Um, I um, I wanted to do something meaningful when you know when you turn fifty, you have to do something epic. And I remember I was caught in an airplane uh, with some really odd people that smelled bad and I w- needed to go to my happy place and I, put, I pulled out of my pack a Algonquin map and I thought going to see what I can where I can canoe this year and I thought of hey there's a meanest link it's called and it, it's basically a canoe route around Algonquin. so what we have in Ontario we have this big park a park and uh it's I think bigger than Prince Edward Island uh so lots of canoeing but there's six watersheds so d- six different watersheds that flow out of it and I thought what what if I connect to all those and the meanest link does that it was born by the Algonquin Outfitters. They created this route all around the park to entice their staff to get out more. Mm-hmm. And, but it is mean. Like, it's stupid. It's, it's basically got uh, 102 portages, adding up to 68 kilometers of portaging, 55 lakes, six rivers, three upstream. There are People have done it and, and as a record. Like, the, uh, the fastest is seven days. Uh, we did it in three weeks because i did not want to do it as, as a race i'm not a type a personality i um want to immerse myself in wilderness as, as much as possible mm-hmm. so you know three weeks the, here's where the funny part though oh my god paul so i got back from the airplane uh ride and i said okay i'm, I'm doing this trip i'm doing it and i'll get my buddy andy uh that is everybody thinks is the, the red skeleton of the canoe world and he is i said <laughs> andy i got this great trip you want to go he goes Absolutely, Kevin. When is it? Okay, yeah, it's w- w- three weeks in June. Go, go, okay, all right, I'll, I'll be there. So I pick him up. I, sh- I sent him all the information about this, but he didn't look at anything.
2: <laughs>
1: and on this trip, and the second day of the trip, we're going up the Big East River, and this is where most people have bailed. So I don't know how many people have attempted this route, but not many people have finished it. Uh, and so we get into the second day going up the Big East, and you basically are walking up the river. You can't pull it, you can't line it you just have to walk it and we did that for four days but day two he's like kevin where are we going i went we're going around the gongan park this is the thing. this is epic we're 50 we're both turning 50 and he's like yeah i want to go (laughs) 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 oh man It, it was uh it was one of those trips where after we finished the big east river which was brutal i i gotta tell one story that i haven't really told for a long time The first time I ever went on a canoe trip with Andy, he was my neighbor, right? So we went on a 28-day canoe trip in Quetico's, working on a Quetico book. And imagine this, the very first night of 28-day solo trip with kind of a random stranger. I get into the tent. It's a heat wave. It's humid. And he's lying on top of the sleeping bag completely naked. And you're
0: you're sharing a tent with him.
1: I'm sharing a tent with him for 28 days. I'm (laughs) like... I, I got no problem with that, Andy. But like, you're not sleeping on the top of the bag, sir. Like, you got to be covered. I'm not sleeping beside a naked man for 28 days. <laughs> like, this is what I do, man. I'm like, okay, I'm still not comfortable with it. So, and years later, like years later, we're on the the biggest river doing the meanest link, and it was like night two of the trip, and it was hot, humid, pouring down rain, soaking wet. And I just said, oh, my God. So I took everything off and went inside the tent and lied there naked. And he's there naked. I said, we should never speak of this again. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah. The cool thing, thing, Paul, is um, I just finished a a speaking tour. I went to 28 places across North America to present. Over 16,000 people told the whole story about the the meanest snake and what's around a Godfrey. But my second last presentation, which was just two weeks ago, Andy showed up. He showed up in the theater, and he went on stage and presented with me.
2: Hmm.
1: It was amazing because I would tell a story, and then he would get, grab the mic. He goes, "That's not how how it happened."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and was that was that planned, or did he he just turn up?
1: It was not planned, which is what Andy would do. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah i remember you telling a story about andy it may have been when we we're on the spay because we've talked about andy before because he is he is an amusing guy on video isn't he he's kind of entertaining to to you know and he's singing his songs and whatnot um but i remember you telling i think it was when we we're on the spay you were you were telling me that you'd met some of his work colleagues somewhere and they pretty much didn't recognize him as the same guy they were like he he's just That guy that you've got with you, that Andy that you have with you on the video, is just not the Andy that we know from work.
1: No, because he works for the government. He actually works uh, protecting species at risk, and he wears a tie. And even better is about a month ago, that government uh, uh, organization asked me to present at their place uh, to put money towards mental health. and, And I was sure, sure. But it happened to be where he worked. So I said, Andy, hey, you want to join with me? It, not only did we speak in front of like a couple hundred people, but they also transmitted it live across all the government offices all across Ontario. So a lot of people watched that. Wow. Yeah. Oh, when I showed videos of him in the bush, people were on the ground like gut-wrenching laughing. <laughs> like this is Andy Baxter. I went, this is Andy I know. I don't know what you guys know. What was he like at work on? Well, he's a very serious man. I went, well, he, I mean, he actually is a very serious man, but – I mean, so am I, but at the same time we're in the woods. We're like giggling like little school kids. Yeah, yeah,
0: you gotta have fun. Even even the hardest of hardships, if you can laugh a bit in the bush, it, it doesn't really make any difference then does it if it's tough?
1: It, it really is, and I, here's something that you guys uh, would love to hear too, because I got asked uh, in the wintertime to go to uh, Frostbite I've, and- I've heard
0: of it, I haven't I haven't been, but um, I, I kind of, a few people have mentioned it to me and it sounds
1: like quite a nice little event. It's an amazing event. yeah, they're amazing people and here's why. so in Ontario, we have a mix of what I would call bushcraft and survivalists and meaning the the world's going to come to an end by mm. people right Yeah. and then there's the bushcraft which I understand from the UK is totally different and I, I can recognize that here in Ontario. But when they asked me to be the keynote speaker at Bushcraft in Alberta, I, I stupid me. I just assumed it was going to be like preppers like you know the world's going come to an end. Not at all. I mean, first of all, there were families, there were single women, there were um, just groups of really, you know, campers needing a reason to go out, and it was bushcraft. And the other is that it was all hands-on stuff. I mean, it was an amazing event. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, mm-hmm. if, um, And it, it is what I would call UTA – take. oh, my God. I've only had two freaking <laughs> – <laughs> God, you, for God's sake, man! For and it's only blended um the uk uh, bushcraft idea is alive and well in alberta
0: yeah well it's kind of it's interesting because we've kind of had this sort of cross-pollination you know because moore's kahansky's based over there and he yeah he was there wrote one of the kind of Bibles, if you like, or the early books with the word bushcraft in the title, in the current in the kind of current era of Bushcraft, you know, notwithstanding all the Woodcraft and camping books that were written nearly a hundred years ago, but in terms of the sort of modern era of interest in a lot of those woodcraft skills, he wrote kind of one of the Bibles, and there's that kind of centre of knowledge there, and he had Tom Roycraft as well as his mentor in that area. And yeah, and and then that's kind of informed a lot of what's gone on with the sort of bushcraft renaissance over here Um, because of course we had a history with bushcraft as well you know we had people like baden powell who was one of the main instigators of the scouting movement He, he brought a lot of knowledge back from what he'd done overseas And, you know, we had our own kind of brand of sort of bush skills and scouting skills and whatnot. And there was a kind of interplay and mix between some of the North American guys and some of the British guys and, you know, the colonial stuff that was going on still at that time. And then we've had a sort of second wave of it with Moore's books and then the, the stuff that's gone on here in the last 20 years. And then that's gone back and informed a lot of what's going on in Canada again. And we've got this kind of nice, virtuous circle of and, and now we live in this age where we can share a lot more online as well. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's really nice that we're having this big event in, in June in Alberta. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is a, a. You look at the speakers. My God, the, the, for all of them to be together in one spot, it'd be fantastic. Mm. And I think there's a big canoe trip after that. There's a bunch of them uh, going down. I forget what, river. A little, uh, there's a little canoe trip. It's three days. It's three days. three days. thought no, it was big, bigger than that. No. Oh, yeah. see, no, I I, it, I can't go to the event because I got a job um, paddling, and someone's paying me to paddle. So well, you
0: can't, you can't, you can't turn that down.
1: No, in fact, I, I actually was going to go to that event, and uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, someone said, "Can you paddle from Lake Simcoe down the trans Severn to Georgian Bay and follow some historical route through Cottage Country?" And it's like, blah, Ooh. blah, blah. I go, yeah, sure. Uh,
0: Simcoe yeah. is Simcoe Kawartha, is it that is Simcoe that area?
1: Yeah, or, I yeah. Look at Ontario. It's basically I'm paddling from Algonquin Park to Georgian Bay, cool. and I'm following a historic route, which is you know not. It's pretty developed now. Um, the biggest thing is, the reason why I said yes to it, and yes, I'm getting paid, but the, the biggest thing ever is on the Trent Severn Waterway, it's like your canals in, in England, there's a place where you, you put your boats up in a big, huge roller, it's called Big Shoot, and it goes up in the air and it rolls around like a train. And I'm thinking, my Lord, to put a little canoe in that would be the funniest scene in the world. Mm. So I said
0: yes. Is <laughs> the which is the um the lift lock at at Peterborough? Is that yeah, part yeah. of that waterway?
1: That's part of the waterway. Yeah, that's yeah, where. Yeah, okay. uh, I'm going to start just downstream of that or okay. upstream. After, which yeah, but yeah. Cool. Yeah,
0: that sounds good. And you are you writing about that, videoing about that? Yeah, what do you?
1: A video. I'll, I'll do a write up, and mm-hmm. it's all to do with the storyline. There was uh there. The guy that opened up Algonquin Park, he was a a tourist uh, English guy. uh, And he basically wrote a book in the 1800s about that waterway that got everybody excited about it. So I'm just going to retrace what he did. Cool. There's a lot lot of history. Like like David Thompson, um, he mapped that whole area because they're going to make a canal. Instead of the canal we have here, they're going to build build a canal through Algonquin. But it was too rough a terrain, so they decided not to. Um, It was an old native route as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of history in that area. But, again, it developed. Well, just like, you know, you have those places in England where the history of paddling is is quite intense, but now it's just lots of people and lots of development.
0: Sure. Yeah, sure. But there's still some nice spots along. I mean, Georgian Bay is nice.
1: Some, oh, yeah, yeah. It's an incredible uh, I, place. I qualms, yeah, I have no qualms doing what I'm doing. I, I know And I'm doing it in June, so the boat traffic is not going to be really crazy. Mm. And I... just to paddle anywhere to be quite honest i have a do you do you have a wish list and because i i do and again i'm not old i'm 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 going to 56 whatever but i have a wish list of things i want to do and that was on uh from pal that that route so Mm. Mm.
0: yeah well um i i guess i do in some ways but it's not necessarily it's a kind of rolling wish list um so as you know i've i've done the the blood vein a few times and i like that part of uh you know the sort of ontario manitoba border up there and the the sort of bottom end of the boreal forest and um so what i'm one of the things i'm doing this year is i'm going to do a trip on the uh the barrens uh river um not right from not right from the headwaters because i don't quite have the time but i'm going from family lake down to you know pretty much lake winnipeg Um, oh that'd be me that's kind of one of my one of my wish lists or bucket list things so that's i'm doing that later this year so that's and 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 the bushcraft and the canoeing fits together so well there as well
1: oh yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. we 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 don't see like i I love going to uh you know to the symposiums over your neck of the woods because it reminds me what we have here Mm. and I, i find it really interesting I think your paddlers are more skilled than, than us. And, and Canadians will hate me for this, but I've, I've watched you guys. You guys are incredibly skilled paddlers. And and yet, I think you're somewhat jealous of that we can go easily for 10 days without seeing anybody, let alone 20 days or 30 days without seeing anybody. That's possible where we live. Absolutely. Uh, but, but I think everybody in Canada thinks the moment they come out of the womb, they can paddle. Yeah. So they don't really put time and effort into gaining the skill.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's that's there's probably some truth in that. And it's a, a little bit like Norwegians in skiing. And I mean, not to say that a lot of Norwegians are very good skiers, but then there's plenty of people in Norway who think just because they're Norwegian, they can ski. Um, and it's probably the same with canoes in, in Canada. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to have that just now. I mean, the ice is going to be out in probably two or three days. Uh, this is really late this year, but, but people are all excited. They're going to go out and we're going to have, sadly, uh, we're going to have some drownings. And... Mm. I, I'm not sure what to say because I get this call from the media all the time. Kevin, uh, Hey, we had a drowning in a can we talked about that. I went, well, no, really. Cause they're still looking for the bodies. Like it, it's people, the real people have died. I don't want to talk about that. No. The reality of it is, is like, it goes back to my Scottish mother. Like when I'd go out in the woods as a kid, like a preteen, I would go out in the woods and all she would say to me is, didn't it be stupid? Just. <laughs> it be stupid? And you know, that is, most logical thing that that woman could ever said to anybody. is like, "Just think about it. Don't go across a huge, massive lake uh, in a windstorm when it when the ice has just came out because if you flip, you're done. Yeah, you know. Or wear your PFD, your life jacket. Like wear it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wear it, right?
0: Exactly. I mean, I, and I, I see this. I see, I've I've seen it in person, but I also I've seen pl- plenty of pictures of people in boats wearing the pfds but the pfds unzipped because it's warm and it's like well w- what's that gonna do you know it's like you need the thing fastened to you <laughs> for it to yeah. work
1: <laughs> yeah well it, it, it's happening now a lot in, going back to the social media thing the youtube videos um there's a couple of youtuber guys i know and i love these guys to bits i mean they're, they're the they're the future they're young people that are inspiring people to go out in the woods just love a whole bunch of channels and just love them. But I've all sent them separate notes and even mailed them, uh, PFDs. Right. Oh, and really? the one guy in, in particular, is like, Oh, Kevin, no, you know what? I know what I'm doing. I went, no, you do know what you're doing. I, I get that. But thousands of people are watching you. You need to set a, an example, right? To, yeah. to wear your life jacket. And whether you agree with that or not, you have to realize that you have an audience, and you have to be that person of, of ethics. It's like, it's like, um, uh, oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, I just, I, my, my computer shut down. I, I, I'm over 55 years old. I couldn't panic when that happened.
0: <laughs> so your computer's bored with that conversation. So.
1: Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> We went to sleep. But, but, uh, but the whole thing about that was, it's just like, that you have uh, responsibility. But once you go online once you go and show people uh, what, you know, you know, your whole passion is about, therefore you become that person. So I, what I, for example, so my daughter, right? I mean, you know, I've got 18 books. I've been around for a long time and a lot of people know me. And my daughter's 14. Of course, anybody that has a 14-year-old daughter knows that they're aliens. They don't really exist, really. Like, they, I don't even know who the heck this child is anymore. <laughs> when, I, when I go around um, in public, someone will talk to me about, oh, hey, Kevin, love your books, love what you're doing, and love this, and and talk to me about Kenny Roots. And then my daughter would do the eye roll, like, oh, Dad, can we just go? Come on. Can we just go home? And I had to talk to her the other day, and I said, I get what you're getting at, but no. You have... The responsibility to talk to these people yeah. and share your information and share your knowledge with them because that's what they want. And I knew that going into it. That's why I did it. So for you to be this, um, oh, no, I don't have time for you. Yeah, that's not right.
0: No, no. And I think there's, there's, there's several things there. One is, if you know, if people are going to dedicate some of their time, some of their life to watching your material, then you owe it to them to give them some time when they come up to speak to you. I think that's that's one thing. And then you write about setting an example. And I think it's maybe more obvious if you're used to teaching people in person, um, which both you and I are, um, because you see students... Even if you don't say, okay, this is how I want you to organize your equipment, this is how I want you to dress, this is how I want you to, you know, organize things on your belt or, or how to organize things in your boat, they look at what you do and they copy it and by osmosis they start doing the things that you, that you do, they start arranging their equipment in the same way that you do, they start wearing it in the same way, they adjust what they're doing and it's very obvious when you're teaching people in person but it's probably less obvious when you're putting a video out but nevertheless people are going to emulate what you do
1: it actually is and and there's some you know some negative on that well not it's not negative it's like it's it's scary because that means i have to be nice all the time right because i'm the <laughs> happy clover and i actually am thank god i'm actually the person that you you see but um, well there's been times I remember on the portage some woman had her dog running wild and she bit my dog and I got upset with her and she goes, Oh, you're in the happy camper. I go, I'm not happy now. <laughs> and My buddies were with me just laughing. They're like, Yeah, we know Kevin. We also know the happy camper, right? But the the thing about that is um is I I, I think there's a fear of meeting your idols. I, I made the mistake of meeting mine. I won't tell you who 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 he is. Well you wouldn't know who he is, but He's a really famous Canadian writer and I met him and like, I love this guy. And I met him not so much. Mm. <laughs> he was a narcissist. He was arrogant. He, I, I did not like him. I should never met him, but I got to say I've met others like, well, red green. I don't know if you guys in the UK know red green. I don't. Um, oh, okay. maybe I
0: should be embarrassed to say that, but I don't.
1: Sorry. No, Okay. No, he's like, more in the United States and Canada, but he's a Canadian icon. Uh, YouTube him. Uh, you guys will love him. I met him. I loved him to death. I was signing books beside him. It was the biggest honor of my life to be beside him. To mm. actually, And he was who he was, right? And the the one author that I didn't like was there, and the guy, Red Green, tore a strip off him <laughs> and told him that he should be respectful. He, he basically didn't treat people really nice. And so... You know, I said something. I mean I, I had two books out. I was nobody I was still I was still nobody but, but um but the uh, I said, Well that's not right. You should treat people like you know, with respect. And he goes, Well that's not my job and Red Green said, Yes, it is your job and you knew that when you started your career. So shut up and oh it was a great I was in the middle of these two famous people just sitting there like a fly watching. Wow. Them. It was great. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well no, I think you, you that's that's the right Attitude to have that. However big you are, however successful you are, you should be grateful because it's, you know, the people that are interested in your work who make you successful. It's nobody else.
1: And it's it all comes down to we're all doing it because we want to be in the woods. <laughs> yeah. that is what it is. We 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 want to do that that bathing, right? We want to be out there in the wilderness because we are who we are. So. Absolutely,
0: absolutely, and we we want to share a little bit of that with other people and enthuse them. And uh, help them get out in a in a safe way. That's certainly one of my motivations. You know, not to not for people not to feel restricted. Because I think if you if you sort of if they read too many horror stories or they, um, you know, they live a very sort of urban or suburban life and they're not used to getting out into the the bush or into the wilds anywhere and they they sort of they're over kind of lectured in terms of safety then maybe they'll never go but equally you've got to strike a balance and 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 make sure people are safe but also make them feel like they can go and they can have some success and they can build up their experience and and enjoy the the wilderness uh, in that same way that you do
1: yeah. it's interesting to think about that too is that even my daughter for example and Again, this child has gone on a canoe trip since she was six weeks old, right? Mm. So, and because she's you know it changes. Like, um, you know, she, she's more interested in her friends in high school and poor kids in grade nine. Not Grade nine was terrible. And uh, so I I said, okay, well, so we're going canoeing this year. She goes, oh, I don't know, Dad. I want to spend some time with my friends. I went, well, I'll take your friends with us. Oh, I don't know. And I go, well, look, I'm working on a documentary in August. I've got some film producers, and we're going to go out, and we – uh, I did a film a long time ago called Wilderness Quest, and it was in Quetico And it was all the, the idea of does wilderness still exist? And we went, we paddled all around and started asking people. And we are out for like days and days and days. That's a
0: really go. nice film. Who who, yeah, who did I, the vi- who did the videoing on that? You worked with somebody else, didn't you? Is yeah,
1: that- Kip Spidel. And what happened was, I actually I was really sick and I had the flu and I had this high fever and I and I didn't know what to do with myself. I was housebound and I was watching Water Walker, mm. and then. Um I contacted Kip Spidell that did that film with me and I said, our society today right now needs a new water walker. And he goes, Kevin, what are you talking about? I went, well, I'm high in fever and probably had way too much Neocitrum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, I'm not not to compare to, to, to Bill Mason water walker, but right now anybody young wouldn't even know what water walker is, right? Yeah. So we need another one to inspire them because back then it inspired thousands of people to get out in the wilderness. Absolutely. It, it wasn't because they, they loved Bill Mason. They loved the idea of them being in the red canoe, of mm. them paddling to Lake Superior or, or, the, or the tributaries of Lake Superior and being in the wilderness and inspired all these people to go off in the wilderness. I said so we need that now. I mean, yeah, we have that on YouTube, but uh, no, we should do that. And then what happened too was... Uh, okay what's the storyline blah, blah 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 and then of course the same day my daughter came back from school and she's very upset I went, what happened she goes our life it's done like she was dad you don't understand like um you look listen to the news and in my lifespan i'm gonna have to deal with a lot of problems that you guys all created like the world's coming to an end like we, the, the resources are depleted pollution everywhere plastic everywhere and like i'm so depressed and i went well we need to change that we need to fix that it's impossible it's impossible to do that and i went. I felt for her too, right? I'm thinking, oh my god, mm-hmm. that, I feel for her. And I said, well, how about you and I go and do this documentary instead of just me? And she goes, well, why would I do that? I went to make a change. In the morning, she came in and she goes, yeah, dad that's a good idea. <laughs> so even if you know things all fall apart, at least that child has tried to make a change. Yeah. And I think you and I have tried to make a change. And. If we haven't, like, at least we're going to our graves trying.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you. All you can do is try. All you can do is try.
1: Well, here's a, here's instead of a serious note. Here's a funny story about <laughs> the meanest link. Okay, now this is. Well, I got. That's I,
0: great because you know you, the forefront of my mind there was we did this conversation is great, but we need to come back to the meanest link thing, and you just did it. So go. Oh.
1: Yeah, we don't have to. It's a podcast. We can talk about everyone. Sure.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I've just been enjoying, you know, I haven't read all of your book yet because, like I say, I've been in the, in the woods and I don't have a lot. I literally read like a page and a half and fall asleep and it's nothing to do with your writing. It's just... You know, I'm working all day in the woods, outside. A uh, friend of mine that I've just been working with as well, I mentioned just before we started recording, I mentioned he lives in Sweden. He reads a ton more books than I do. You know, he's, his, his standard question to me is, have you read? And my normal answer is no, because <laughs> he reads he reads so much <laughs> oh, more.
1: Oh, you know, my name, this is real life. Yeah. Right, I'm doing a podcast in the UK right now, live. It's raining, it's raining and all my camp gear is out. Okay. I'll get to that in a minute. Sorry, Paul. What's going on? Uh, there's a big storm coming and all my camp gear's uh, outside. You better go um, you you want to go and get it well, in. We'll, we'll keep the we'll keep the interview going while I'm doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Don't. hold on. <laughs> okay. This is real life, everybody. <laughs> big storm, big storm. Oh my lord, are you still there, Paul? I'm here. Okay. My oh my lord, all oh my the whole shed's open and oh. I can hear the I can hear the wind. Oh, it's a big storm, yeah. I tried, I, I was drying all my gear for my trip and mm-hmm. uh, I'm just gonna throw everything. <laughs> all right, what were you saying, Paul?
0: Um, I was saying about my Swedish friend who reads a lot more than me, but it, even he, you know, we were working together last week and he was doing the same, you know, reading two pages of his book and then falling asleep. So that's just the kind of function of fresh air and exercise and working hard outside. You, you don't get a lot read, unfortunately. So oh,
1: no, I you. <laughs> are you there? I just, you know what? Everything else is just going to have to get wet because you're more important. No, no, if you,
0: your, your trip's important too. If you want to bring
1: your gear in, bring your gear in. Yeah, but I have to go back up the hill. Which I, I won't be able to... Oh, my neighbour, Eva, is going to do that for me. You've got
0: very <laughs> very well-trained neighbours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, sleeping bags are no longer dry.
0: That, well, that's not good. Is it actually already raining?
1: Yeah, it was funny. I I was really nice today. We, we have not had a lot of nice weather uh, this spring, so today was nice and sunny. So I brought all my gear out to dry, and uh, then <laughs> was talking to you and having a wee dram and talking to nice UK people. Storms coming. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not good. It's not just UK people listening to this. There's a, there's a good number in Canada and the US and Australia and all over Europe. So,
1: oh my lord, got a nope. big
0: big yeah. audience.
1: Man, I don't. know. I, I, I.
0: Can you hear the wind? I did. I did when you first went outside. Yeah. Can
1: you hear my neighbor yelling? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh no! She. She's tripped over my wet sleeping bag. Oh my lord! <laughs> this is turning
0: into like some sort of Laurel and Hardy sketch it, now.
1: It is. Well, my life is basically like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it? Uh, I always say. Um, uh, so a while back. I actually went to Kip's fight all years ago, uh, around the campfire on a camp trip. And I said, well, so why did I, why did I get to be on camera? Why was I the guy to get on camera? And I thought he'd say something nice to me, like, no, um, you're I, a very attractive man or something like that. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's shit. what you hoped he'd say.
1: Yeah. No, he didn't say that. He goes, because you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, we just have to follow you around with the camera. Like we just, that's all we have to do. And things will happen. Things will happen to you. And, there, there's the story right there. It's all to do with the storyline.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's all to do with the story. <laughs> but the thing yeah. is, the, the funny thing is, though, you're not an idiot.
1: Well, I, 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 actually am. I do have some serious side to me, and my my daughter knows that, and my family knows that. But I, I can't be that professional on stage. Um, I, 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 I'm too hyper for it. So, get this, like this summer I was actually I was asked to be the keynote speaker in the Outfitters at their yearly comedy festival. <laughs> I went, what? What do you mean? Oh yeah, you're really funny, Kevin. No, but that's not really, no, no, I'm talking about canoeing. Yeah, no, no, you're really funny. We'll have lots of people, and there's really well-famous uh, comedians going to this event, and I'm the keynote, and I was like, oh my lord, really? I've become head guy of the comedy festival about canoeing. Wow which isn't bad because yeah. if you yeah. got to pull the rabbit out of the hat and get everybody's attention, you can do it in various ways. Some people are serious, some people are political, some people are whatever. And if I get more people out because I make them laugh, so be it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I remember, you know, you've been over to the uh, Canoe Symposium in Wales a couple of times that, you know, that Ray Goodwin organises. And um, I, I remember one of your evening sessions and you had a, you know, decent-sized or- audience for that event you know quite a big you know good number of the people that were actually at the event were in your session one evening and you were you were absolutely captivating and you did it through a combination of humor but also you know serious points underlying you know underneath the humor and i think you're very good at that
1: i think i get a lot of that from uh taking students at risk out in the woods because Mm -hmm. uh you really can't be serious with them well you can be but at the same time you got to pull the rabbit out of the hat. Right. So, uh, I had to teach them, but I also can't teach them in a regular fashion.
2: Mm.
1: So, uh, I, I don't know where I get it from. Actually, well, I'm half Irish and half Scottish. That's probably where I get it from. But (laughs) you believe it though. I mean, my, my father was, he was Irish, a professional boxer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen me, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Genetically that didn't happen. But when I went to Scotland, I met my cousins uh, in Scotland. I found out that a lot of writers and like the the Bobby, the the the, the dog. Uh,
0: Greyfriars uh, Bobby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my, supposing my great grandfather made that made that mold for the for the Bobby.
0: Oh, okay, just just up off um, the bridge there in Edinburgh.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah okay. So it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I didn't know that until probably five or six years ago because you know my my dad. Like, this is a bizarre thing to talk about, but. Well, my, you know, I'm the last Irish male Callan, right? So no pressure, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um, I was more, you know, to my dad's view, I was more Irish than, than my mom's Scottish, right? Mm. But then when I got to meet my Scottish relatives, I got to say I'm more connected to them, knowing them, uh, the hi- the history of writing and poetry and stuff of like that, and even physical appearance than, than actually, you know, my dad being professional boxer right i remember when he's trying to show me how to box and i hit him and he bled and i started crying like <laughs> <laughs> so and, and it goes to say that i, I don't want to push kala my daughter to become a canoeist right if she wants to go canoeing and canoe tripping she will because she wants to and she will but i'm not going to push it on her
0: no no i think that's a sensible thing to do i think you you make things available to kids and you make them you know, you give them the experience and then they can make their own mind up, can't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's really important too. It's, it's when I t- take the students out, like we go off in the bush. And the most glorious thing about it is that you'll watch it happen magically. Every culture, everybody from, you know, they're, they're born from wilderness and it will, they'll reconnect. They just need a lot more time now. I mean, I, my students actually, like I need at least five days in the bush with them before they even start feeling comfortable. Mm. And just recently, the the program said, oh, yeah, we have to cut back. We've got to save money. So we're, we're only going to do three nights now. It's like, then I quit. Mm. I'm wasting my time. It's a party for them. They're going to get themselves in trouble. What do you mean? I went, no. The, the, after day five, after day six, whatever, they'll start leaving their anxiety at home. They'll start leaving their their addictions at home. And they'll start reconnecting with willingness. But three days, it's not going to happen.
0: No. No, you just you just you're not even settled in properly. Then are you?
1: No, no, and they won't be proud of themselves. Yeah, they, you they can probably stop. you
0: can probably get away without pooping in the bush for three days if you really try hard.
1: Oh, that's just crazy! But isn't people it? do that. No, no, I've, I've I've seen them go for five days. I had the one person that I say, if you don't go by day six, I'm going to have to fly you out. What do you mean? <laughs> We're what, what poisoned from the inside if you don't poop now. I mean, I poop better in the woods than I do at home.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's natural. <laughs> we are we are going all over the map here. I can't even remember how we got to pooping in the woods. But oh um, no!
1: But before the storm happened, I was going to tell you about the crazy story. Um, well, now that I'm walking around and, and everything's, I'm going to pour another whiskey as well. Okay. Sorry, I just stood on my dog's toy. If you heard the squeak, as long as it
0: wasn't your dog. No, no, no. My dog I heard the squeak. I was, like, I was hoping that wasn't something that was alive that you just stood on.
1: No. no. <laughs> Mind you, I had, I had baby raccoons in my shed the other day, and that was terrifying like, mm. for them. For them. All right. So, all right, now, I'm, now we're talking while I'm, I'm pouring another famous grouse, okay? I finished, <laughs> I I've, another- I
0: finished my yard bag as well, which is unfortunate. Oh, though.
1: Lord, man, are you all right?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, uh, so this trip I did around uh, Algonquin, a lot of people do it in a traditional sense. And my buddy and I decided not to. So, for example, you're supposed to use a cedar canvas canoe. And I didn't. I used uh, a Novacraft lightweight canoe that weighed 38 pounds. Mm. And you're not supposed to do food drops. And I did three food drops. And we did a bunch of things. And I even cheated along the way. And that's a long story. But basically, I don't think it's cheating when you're telling everybody on live radio across Canada that you're cheating. It's not cheating, right? No, I was uh, making uh, more embarrassed no. about the whole thing, right?
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I wanted to spend more quality time out there. Well, there was a, just a small number of people that despised me for this, Despise me. They actually, on, on social media, they called me the Lucifer of Algonquin, right? The Lucifer
0: of Algonquin.
1: Lucifer, actually, I have no right to be an Algonquin Park. Well, so
0: wow. So
1: it ended up, it ended up uh, um, on my second food drop on day eight. No, probably day 10 or something like that. And I get to it and the food's there, but the whiskey supply is not. And I went, what the, what, what happened? And I found out later, it was much later, that these guys, uh, one or two of them that despised me, thought, you know, hey, we'll just steal this whiskey. And they took my whiskey out of the fly. Wow. But this, this is what I love about the wilderness community, okay? Because on live radio across Canada, I said, for the love of God, there is a severe emergency that's happened to us, uh, Andy and I right now, our whiskey has been stolen. We don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to continue on this trip. And haha, ha, that was funny. Then I found out paddlers from all over paddled into Algonquin to deliver us whiskey. Like everywhere. <laughs> We'd get to a portage and they'd be like, Way to go, Kevin, keep going, way to go, Andy, and there'd be a flask. Oh, it was amazing.
0: That's amazing. Just to have your own sort of personal whiskey supply just dropped for you. Yeah.
1: Um, even even the editor work on the book, she goes, You can't make that story up. <laughs>
0: And these guys that stole your whiskey, are they, they're nothing to do with the park or the park authority or the, the outfitters there. They're just like random members of yeah. the public who have taken umbrage to you being there.
1: Yeah, there was, you, of course you're always going to get that on social media, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah. they believe it's a race. It, it, it's not promoted as a race, but they, they treat it as one. They didn't like my sense of humor. Um, What really happened? I I got to explain that part. So my my buddy Andy, he only had 16 days of holidays, and I allocated three weeks to do the trip, you know, to be a good trip. So we planned on a three-quarters way through. He was going to leave me, and I was going to continue solo. So I shuttled a vehicle for him and everything else. But about day 10, he's like, no, Kevin, I really want to finish this trip with you. I said, well, the only way we're going to finish this trip is if we cheat. So mm. we get to Obiango Lake, which is the largest lake in the in park, and instead of paddling across it, which would take a day, I ordered a, a boat shuttle, and they shuttled us across. And we laughed at it. And I s- told everybody on social media that, and also on CBC Radio that... Well, it was on your video as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not... it's not like. And we hitchhiked down this road. It's called Portage Road. It's about a kilometer. And we hitchhiked and get a ride. Mm. Like, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so... so um, at the end of it, I, I finally had to say in the book, too, I finally had to say, like, what's my choices? I, I Basically, I, I could do it traditionally and make these few people happy, but not finish the trip with my buddy that turned 50. And that's why we're doing this trip to yeah. spend time in the wilderness or finish it and cheat. And I have no problems with our decision. So.
0: No, and I think it, that, that highlights an important point. I mean, you said it there. It's implicit in what you said in that your first priority can't be pleasing other people. You know, when it, your, your reasons for going to the bush, you know, the, that connection with Andy, the connection with the trip, the, the immersion in the landscape is more important and your experience is more important than pleasing some other arbitrary uh, values of somebody else that doesn't even know you.
1: Yeah, and that that was the thing I had a problem with these individuals. It's like, you don't even know me. Like, I, I what, what, would we get a badge for this? Like, there's no badge or well, whatever.
0: I I could I couldn't I could understand like if you'd done it supposedly faster than anyone else, and you'd taken a, you know a, a shuttle across the lake, then I could understand people getting pissed off if you were saying oh I did it in six days and previously somebody's the quickest anybody's done it in seven days, and them saying well you yeah, you took a shuttle across the lake but you weren't setting out to do it fast.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's like. Uh- people finding out some bushcraft tv show is not real i mean i, I get that i get press. The, the,
0: the, they're not real yeah <laughs> you, just, you just just broken my world kevin <laughs> I
1: know that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh boy they you know I, I i gotta say talking about bushcraft and everything else i got a chance to interview uh uh jim baird uh the guy oh, yeah. that Yeah, so he won Alone uh, last year. Was it last year or two years ago? But he was the Canadian that won him and his brother for seventy-two days. Mm -hmm. And I know him, Uh, and I I did a really I think a really good interview because I basically said, "Here's the real deal. Here's the guy that actually does stuff beyond the show, and nobody knows any of the stuff that he's done." And here are the things that he did. I mean, before he did Alone, he went out on thirty-six days uh, in. Northern Quebec uh, with his dog in the wintertime and did this track before he went on alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, he's like a good, he, he's a good paddler as well, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is. Uh, yeah, I did say, Oh, this is very controversial. I'm not, not sure about in your area, but it was here when I interviewed him. Uh, he had a double blade cause he's going out with a really well-known YouTuber called Sean James. Uh, he's going to a uh, trip and uh, I think in a few weeks and Sean James has a solo canoe and he's double blading. So that, that's a big thing now in Canada with YouTubers, especially they double blade a canoe and mm-hmm. it makes sense. I've done it. Um, I It's not, it's not for me. And because I'm a jokester, jokester but I, when I was on camera with him, I said, oh, you're using a double blade because you're with Sean James. I go, you know what true paddlers call double blade paddlers? It's people that don't know how to paddle. <laughs> and, he laughed because it was a joke. Oh, the comments I got, oh. like freaking death threats. Like, good, you have no right to say. Whatever, I just you know, you learn to do the J stroke, learn to do the draw stroke. Yeah. You learn like I don't know, like like.
0: Well, no, I, I mean, I I I've spoken to Sean once or twice, but I know he's mates with Joe Robinett, isn't he? And Joe paddles oh. that style as well. So yeah,
1: yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them are all double bladers. So. Uh, and. You know, it, okay, it makes sense. Uh, well, in a kayak, it makes total sense because you're low in the water. Yeah. So when Jim was there, Jim was a big guy. You have to see him in person. Like, you, you have a sore neck talking to him. Like, right. that guy's massive, right? And he was going to use the Bob Special, and the head guy from No Crowd was there, and like, he wanted to try it. And I said, wow, you're way too big for the, the Bob Special, and it's a low-lying canoe. It's faster than the prospector. I said, but you need to bring the Prosper canoe, which is a great canoe, but you're going to be too high up for a double-blade. So he goes, you're not not knocking the double blade. I'm, I'm not knocking it, but if you're too high up in your in your in your seat, then it makes no sense. You're just pushing water all day. Mm. So see what happens. You and I cause controversy all the time.
0: God damn it, Kevin! It's terrible. It's outrageous.
1: Oh, you know, at the end of the day, what I always say uh, when I see a lot of negativity on social media, I go, it's just camping and canoeing for heaven's sake.
0: I know, I know. people take it so seriously and you know you know what and again this will sound arrogant but a lot of the people who get the knickers in the twist about these things do they have another day job
1: yeah yeah and I know
0: me, you know it's not to say that their opinions aren't always valid but i get people who you know they work in offices most of the time and they they're telling me why what i'm doing with a tarp is wrong and i'll get wet doing that and i'm like well i spend 150 nights a year out under a tarp and i don't get wet what the I'm
1: best thing I, oh the best one was just last week uh, during a presentation, this one guy came up to me and he goes, I've been going to Gonquin and I'm following all your things about where the trout are and I haven't got a trout. And blah, 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 blah. I, I, it's all your fault I haven't got a trout. And I didn't want to say anything to the, but the guy right beside me. goes, do you want Kevin to go with you and put the trout on the line for you? For <laughs> <laughs> it's not Kevin's fault that you haven't got a trout.
0: For no, them. no. <laughs> Have you been talking to all the trout? Have you been telling them not to get on his line? Oh,
1: oh, man. And and I even said, like, well, when are you fishing? He goes, well, no, I guess I go, you're using lead core? Are you getting down deep? He goes, why would I? I went, okay, I'm not even getting that conversation. Because if you don't know where the trout are, and you're blaming me for not catching trout. So what I did is I wrote a guidebook, and and then I said, it's a good trout lake. So he went there, and he's catching trout. So, of course, it's my fault.
0: Ah, right. Because it should be easy just because you said it
1: should. It's all to do with wilderness (sighs) brignography.
0: Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, so another story about the, uh, the the meanest link that will make you giggle. So, but halfway we're on the Nipissing River, uh, just full of bugs. I've never go to the, go to the video series on KC Happy Camper and just watch it. You, you would not believe the amount of mosquitoes on, on this trip. Mm. And so Andy never gives up on a trip. Like we, that's our rule. We don't give up. We, we we decide to go. We're going to go. But he's looking at the map. He goes, Yeah, we should just bail. Like we should just like head across another part of the park and just bail. Like, but why why we doing this trip? I was like, mm, yeah, you get a good point. So we're in the bug shelter and we're having a, we dram a whiskey. And then we watched this snapping turtle and you know, entertainment for that night was to watch the snapping turtle move up on the embankment and just watch him in time, how long it took to, him to do that. And it took him 26 minutes. And then when he got to the top, he tripped on himself and fell to back to oh, the
0: river. Oh no. <laughs> and
1: we looked at ourselves and we did a cheer and said, you know, we should finish this trip because our life is not as bad as that turtle's.
0: No. And he would he will get back out of the water again. He won't give up.
1: That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And at the end, Andy ended up having surgery on his knee. Uh, I don't think his wife will ever speak to me again. But
0: as a I, result of that trip.
1: Oh yeah, it, it, mm. it was a it was a tough one. Well, I, I didn't know he had surgery. He he's that type of person. He didn't tell me until like three years later that he had surgery on his knee after that trip. Um. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Six, Sixty-eight kilometers of portaging. One hundred and two portages. Yeah. We walked across the gunker we didn't paddle it so
0: were you, were you single carrying or were you having to do double yeah. load yeah
1: yeah which we don't we use a double yeah. because we're there I'm the happy camper and I don't want to survive I thrive
2: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, but for that trip there's no way we, we would double carry so he took the canoe and a pack and then I took the other pack full load of pack and you know by the, halfway through it we were in shape and it wasn't as bad but the first few days we really question our sanity.
0: Yeah, because it was the, the upstream bit at the beginning. I remember the videos. It used to seem to be going upstream a lot at the beginning, and that was the um, the, the river you were talking about earlier, where yeah. it was just four days of walking.
1: Yeah, and also there, there was, to get into uh, the biggest river, into Algonquin, uh, now there, there's portages that have been cut for it, but there wasn't at the time. So we were following these other guys that done the meanest link the year before, and they... They charted by compass and GPS a route up this hill. I forget the name of the hill, but it was uphill for three kilometers Mm. and bushing. And and I think going back to what we were talking about, too, when I I hear someone complaining about, oh, Kevin, I saw one of your guidebooks and that one portage isn't what you said. I was like, "Uh, are you sure you ever went there? I was like, really? Okay." the reason why I wrote guidebooks is to get more people out. But the other thing is to get out. Yeah. You really think I actually wrote about a route and never did it? People really and, suggest so, that.
0: It's incredible.
1: Well, well there's, you know, I, I hate to say it, but well, you've seen TV, but uh, there's a lot of guidebooks also written that they, they've never really been there. Mm. Like, but don't meet, again, going back, don't meet your your idols, right? So you don't want to know all that stuff. No. But the same thing is, it's like uh, to do that trip, what's really cool is you'll get that, and I love this, and, you, and, and everybody in Bushcraft um, will actually get this. You'll have someone, and my dad taught me this, right? You'll always have someone question you. For example, the Brook Trout spot, and they already know the answer. They just want to know if you've been there. Yeah. So uh, I, all the shows I always have the one person who to me, "Oh, so you've been to so and so? Like, what, what did you remember that rock on the?" <laughs> and of course, I'm really good at that. I go, "There's no rock. There was no rock there." And the, the old guy would say, "I was just getting you. I just wanted to make sure you were there." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's, it's funny, like, the people trying to catch you out. Mm.
1: Sometimes that's good, though, Paul. I mean, sometimes it's good to have an old-timer catch you and find out that you're fake, right? Uh, I don't know. I have no problem with that, because if you're solid with your your knowledge and your confidence, um, then you're good. Like... like uh, Throw it at me. I'll be fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you're not
0: if you're not bullshitting, you've got nothing to worry about, have you? So.
1: Yeah, and the good thing about, again about being out in the wilderness, you are who you are. So when I'm talking to people, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. If you don't like hey, me, I don't really care. Like no. like I enjoy what I do. I know what I do, and and if you have a problem with it, maybe you should really think about what your life purpose is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think far too many people are negative about other people. They're jealous, or they just want to do other people down. And I think uh,
1: that's a very small percentage, though. It It is, Yeah. yeah. When when my daughter will say. Dad, I don't know how you deal with those people on social media. I go, what, one person in one month said a negative thing and hundreds and hundreds of people said positive things? Why would you listen to the negative person?
0: It's true. As long as you keep it in proportion in your head. But we do tend to pay more attention to the negative comments than the positive ones for some reason.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you have to learn to walk away from that. It's it's almost like um, life is on the portage, right? I I always find that if the portage creates wilderness, because – If it's easy to get to a lake, then it's not willingness. If it's really hard to get there, and if you meet anybody there, they'll be just like you Mm -hmm. because they just did what you did to get there. Yeah. And so you won't have any negativity because all those people are the same ideas, right? So, but if you have a lake where everybody drives to, you have all these different opinions and it's just, it's it's all political.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Paul, Paul, like, we're on our third scotch. Well, I think you're only on your first. But the, we're, we're, the meaning of life is just—it's just coming out. Yeah. Oh, such money python. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, th- there is a level of surreal surrealness to uh, surreality. I don't even know what the right word is. is it's surrealness or surreality? I don't know. To to all, su- some all of the.
1: Is, <laughs> and you would love this is because you you and I have tripped together and we know each other rather. Right? You would love this so. A lot of people want this new book that I, I, I did uh, on um, uh, oh, what's it called when you make, when you read the book out. Well, oh, book. like an audio book. Yeah, an audio book. So I went, yeah, okay, sure. So I went to the, the studio I work do some work with at First Word Media. I said, guys, can I use your booths to do some audio book? They go, great idea, Kevin, great idea, but we got to make sure we're not here because we can't stand your voice. <laughs> you're way too hyper way too like if we have to be here all day listening to you read we're going to ins- go insane <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that because they've edited too many videos with you in it is that is that why they
1: yeah they, they have and I I too can't stand my voice um oh. I'll edit my video and I'll, I'll just it's crazy and it's, it's the same you know you your stuff you probably the same thing like, I don't oh.
0: think anybody really likes the sound of their own voice. No,
1: I'm not sure where we get that from, but it's
0: true. I think it's because we never when you listen back to it on a recording, you never you don't sound like that in your own head and then it's a bit alien. And I think I think you convince yourself you sound better or more impressive or whatever it is, more more silky or sultry or manly or whatever it is that you you know attributes that you want to have, and then you listen back to it, and it's not that. And I think that's probably part of it. It's like, oh, that's what I really sound like. So it, I,
1: it, well, I'm not sure. What, maybe it's it's a, and that's a good thing. Is it knocks you down into? Um, oh my lord, the storm! It, it's all of it. it. it's a wild storm. My 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 sorry, my garbage can just flew over my deck. Cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's it 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 keeps us humble. Yeah. I think if you like the sound of your own voice, then maybe you have an issue, right? So Probably, uh, yeah. yeah. I think willingness keeps you humble. I love that part about it. You could be anybody out there on a big, windy, stormy day on the lake, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're dead. True. Uh, I love that part. I mean, you know, it's kind of strange, but I love willingness because it calms me down, but at the same time keeps me sort of level-headed. And keeps me to my true character that i know who i am and also i just love being out there and i'm very relaxed out there so anybody that's not relaxed i'm thinking yeah you need more time you know mm. you, need more, you need more uh bush bush time bush time and what, what would you call the, the the japanese the bush uh, bathing yeah but it's interesting what you
0: say about um you having to be who you are and it keeps you humble because and i think it's interesting particularly in the context of what we've been talking about with social media and people having an opinion and everyone thinking that their opinion is as valid as anyone else's i think there's some great things about the modern state of the internet and our ability to share experiences and ideas and knowledge and information and with fewer boundaries than there's ever been but equally so can everyone else and that leads to everyone thinking that you know, or, or the tendency for people to think that their opinions are equally as valid as anyone else's, regardless of their level of experience. And people can get away with that online and they can argue the toss on, you know, a Facebook group or in the YouTube comments or on Twitter or what have you. But what you can't argue the toss with is, is nature. You know, it's either, things either work or they don't work you manage to light your fire or you just have a damp pile of sticks you're wet in your sleeping bag or you're dry and you're comfortable because you pack things correctly you know you're dry underneath your tarp or in your tent or you're not and there's it's not about what your opinion is it's about getting stuff right and if you don't get stuff right then you have to learn from those experiences and i think that's another great thing that even now in the modern day with all the modern equipment and modern tools that we have that even so you can't fight nature when you're out you have to work with it and there are parameters that you work within otherwise you're going to get kicked in the ass and i think that's that's as important as it ever was if not more important
1: yeah i, I think it's really important as, as long as you don't die through it i, I how i learned people would say well how did you learn how to paddle well i watched bill mason videos and uh, or films actually it wasn't even videos back then it was actually film mm. and i taught myself how to paddle really yeah, and they like well how'd you learn your skills? They go from time in the bush. Yeah. From time and time and time and time again. And and learning from mistake, right? And learning from error. And thank God I didn't die from those things. But I instead of doing something wrong twice, if you do something wrong once and then learn from it, that's the skill, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's
0: that's how you develop it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah
1: and when I guided in tomography, we'd hire guides. Um, if someone said to me, I know how to paddle, I, I don't need to know how to paddle, I would never hire them. Because I can teach someone to paddle, but if you don't know how to deal with people, social skills on, on a guided trip, you're, you're nobody. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can teach you how to put a tarp up, but if you don't know how to deal with an individual social dilemma, then you're done yeah. as a guide, right? So.
0: Absolutely. And I think that was some of what you were talking about in you know that, that talk that I alluded to um, when you were over at the Welsh Canoe Symposium, that, that session that you, you had a very amusing kind of main gist, but underneath was some serious points. And I think that was one of them about having that ability to mediate uh, socially and, and interact socially with people as a, as a guide. I think you had some amusing stories <laughs> around right. that.
1: It's. it's a, I don't wonder whoever taught me how to do that. Basically, it's time and spend with people in the woods, whatever. Mm-hmm. But my dad kind of taught me that. He was a, you know, he was, he was a boxer, but then he worked at a factory for forty-five years and taught me how about like life skill, work skill, ethics, and stuff of like that. And and but I remember, I guess in one particular, and I've told the story before, but it's a really good story. Is I was out with a bunch of students at risk, and the quick this is a quick version of it. And there was Jason. And, uh, well, it was really, but it it was Jason. I call it when I'm writing about it. And he, he had some drug issues that he was over with and he had some anxiety issues. And so we're on the trip and I, my mistake as a guide, I did a linear trip. So we went from A to B back to A and that you should never do with, especially with students at risk because you want them to feel that they're lost all the time. So they stick with you. They Mm -hmm. don't want to fail and escape. Right. But we did a linear trip. So we're coming back, and then he is not doing well. Uh, he, he's telling me he's not doing well. He's not telling to the counselor he's not. They usually don't like the counselor, so the counselor doesn't know anything about these issues. And I'm just the guide. I'm not his social worker. So I go up to the, the counselor. I said, he's not doing well. He's going to boot. Like, we're coming back on the same route, and he's going to figure out where he is, and he's going to boot tonight. No, he's not, Kevin. Yes, he is going to boot, right? And sure enough, at midnight, a bunch of students come to my tent. Yeah, Jason's gone. So um, I see him out in the, in the canoe. So I canoe after him. And I, I realize, you know, I'm trying to chase him and catch him. What am I going to do when I catch him? Like He's mm-hmm. going to be angry. He's going to be addicted to some substance. So, so I just let willingness, bathe him, right? And so uh, he went across another lake. I portaged with him and, and kept up with him. And he knew I was following him, I'm pretty sure, but I didn't chase him. And then sure enough a storm came, so he hunkered down and I got to him, put a tarp up, got a fire going, and I said nothing to him. And then the sun came up, storm went away. I said, Jason, we need to go back. He goes, Yeah, I know. I really messed up. I went, Yeah, whatever, life is life. We all mess up. But I need you need to go back. And he goes, Yeah. And so we're paddling back and I said, Jason, I just gotta because I have a weird sense of humor, I go, I gotta know what what drug are you on? And he goes, Ecstasy. I went Ecstasy. <laughs> that's a party drug. Like, I don't know anything about drugs or whatever, but it's like, why would you do that? And He goes, because I messed up, Kevin. I, like, that's all the drugs I had at home. So I mm. thought I'd do that. And here's the great thing about the great story at the end is like that kid, uh, you know, we got back, whatever, but now he went through an outdoor leadership program in college. He graduated, and now he's taking students at risk in the woods. And that's what he does for a job. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, he bathed in the, in the wilderness mm. and he became who he really was. Yeah. And I really think that that, 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 that means a lot. So
0: that's a cool story. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, what were your learnings from this Algonquin meanest link? What was the, you know, cause you both, you guys were both experienced, you know, you've tripped together before you've done trips, but what was, there must've been some new learning points for you guys on the meanest link.
1: Yeah, a couple of things going on, on on that trip. One was how we completed it, because uh, a lot of people have really desired to do this trip and failed. It was all to do with two things. One is that we have tripped a lot together. We, we've been in the woods, and, and we did a lot worse trips than that. And even though it was a silly, stupid trip, I never do again. But but we, we did it because we, we had the skill set to do it. And But the biggest thing is we had the, the mental state to do it. We laughed. Uh, you watch the video. I think we laughed the whole entire. Way. I mean, we ran out of food at one point, and and then Annie's just laughing at it. <laughs> like someone stole all our whiskey out of our whiskey supply, and we laughed at it. And it, the, the the most dangerous part in the entire trip, really, is when you watch the video. We we cross the highway sixty that goes across the park, and Annie almost gets hit by a car. Mm. That's the most dangerous part in the entire trip. So we weren't phobic of it. We weren't thinking we're going to die every day. We're like, whatever. We could be at home right now working, or we could be around on like a So the other thing though, too, is Andy didn't know this. And I usually don't talk about it, but I don't think a lot of people in Canada will hear, hear this, but well, I, I shouldn't say that, but there was a lot of stuff going on in my life at the time that Andy didn't know. Uh, my, my wife was wanting a separation. We've been together for 21 years and it just blew me. Like I, I just like, I was like, "What?" and I was just dumbfounded by the whole thing. And on that trip, when you watch that video, my brain wasn't there. I, I needed time in the woods to get, you know, mentally sane. Mm-hmm. And Andy, nobody knew. Uh, my family didn't even know. But 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 once that was all done, uh, then when it all happened, I told Andy, "I went, yeah, that's why I kind of needed that trip." And what a true friend for him to go through that because. Maybe he even he even did know. I don't know. But for him to do that trip, get knee surgery afterwards, and all this other stuff, and, and yeah, what a great
0: canoe yeah. park. Yeah, absolutely. That that takes you a long way, doesn't it? When you've got friends like that on trips yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, don't spend the money in talking to some expert about if you have any problems in your world. Just go on a canoe trip. You'd, you'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well there's a lot to be said for that there's a lot to be said for that so what motivated you to write this book because it's a little bit different in you know i've got quite a few of your guide books and i've got your winter camping book of course which is what we talked about last time you were on this is a different style of book and um, what was the motivation for the book kevin
1: yeah it took me five years to write it so what I, after i came back from the trip i would go out in the, in the, the porch in the morning and have my coffee and watch the sunrise and and i'd just started writing and I wasn't writing for a publisher. I was writing for myself at the time. Like usually what happens is my publisher says, okay, we, we, we like this idea, Kevin, work on it. And, and then you go on that. But publishing is changing dramatically right now. So at that time I was just writing it for my own hobby. And I started writing about not just the trip because it is the trip. It's almost like a Bill Bresson walk in the woods book mixed in with uh, Bill Mason, Song of the Pale Book mixed in with uh, with Sigurd Olson, Lonely Land, and mixed up in like in a, in a salad. It was basically, <laughs> uh, it was about the trip, but it was also about the ethics of of tripping. It was about the history of the park and how it's changing and how people are changing. It was about the history of the watersheds and and how like POWs were were put on the Nipissing River, and then when the war was over, they actually a whole bunch of them moved back because they loved the area so much, like. <laughs> There's just tons of history of, about Ogonquin, right? Just like regions where you live. And I said, I just started to start writing. And then I went to my regular publisher and I said, well, you know, here's a book I've been writing for five years and it's kind of done. What do you think? And I knew they wouldn't go for it because I would, you know, write the guidebook, even though my guidebooks are not typical guidebooks. It's, it's, yeah, it shows you f- to get from A to B, but it's also what happened to me between A and Yeah.
0: B. There's always a story there as well.
1: Yeah. 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 Storyteller, my Irish and Scottish, right? So, but with this one, it was just story. There was no, in fact, I didn't even t- tell any detail about the route per se. Like the, so it was all hit the storyline. And um, then they said, yeah, yes, but no thanks. And I said, like, okay. So I went to other publishers and I went, wait a minute. Like In today's world, why am I not self-publishing this? This is a good idea for a self-publishing book. So I looked into it, and there's goods and bads about self-publishing. Like you, anybody could self-publish, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, good thing is like all these great stories that people cannot get published because certain publisher won't publish it. I think that's fantastic. There's also people that think they know everything, and then do a self-publishing book about how to do things, and then it's just crap, mm. right? So, but I I was working up the CBC Radio thing I, I you know I do now and then and. Farley Mowat, um, son, Sandy Mowat, producer, and I, You don't know Farley Mowat. But he's a really well-known Canadian writer. I,
0: and I, I know I know him. Okay. Oh. Only because some Canadian friends have recommended some of his books. So
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a great writer. And then his son I, I know is more of a friend. Not, not And he goes, Kevin, you used to self-publish this. I said, oh, if I self-publish it, like, my God, it's my 18th book. Why would I self-publish? And he goes, why would you not? He goes, you do all the work. Like, you do all the, the media, you do all the presentations, all on your own. And why would you not do this? And he goes, as long as you do it right and professional, and you know you would. So what's beautiful about my life is I contacted uh, Jill uh, Steed. She was um, uh, a designer I worked with originally from my old books, from the, the, the Boston Mills days. And she designed it. And I got an editor from Palo Magazine. And I know her, she edits all my columns there and I got her to edit mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I paid a good chunk, like over $5,000, which was terrifying. Like I don't make a lot of money. So for me to, well, it's called line of credit in Canada. So you just pay <laughs> money. And so I, I got that and I self published and went and did that. And by God, I'm not just over a month. I paid that off hmm. because here's the thing about self publishing. If anybody's interested in Canada, I make eight percent royalty on my books, and so everybody's thinking because I have like seventeen b- books, most of them are bestsellers. I'm rolling in cash. I live on a hill in a friggin' little shack, or whatever, and I love that. I'm not knocking it, but I make no money, right? Mm. I love my life, just don't make any money. But I make eight percent royalty on the book. Well, self-publishing, I make seventy to forty percent, depending on how it's sold. Mm-hmm. Like holy living crap, man! Like that's that's huge, and if it, if I mess up, I'm the one. That's the problem. Like I I, I mean, instead of me saying, oh, my publisher, only publisher, only editor," no, I did it all on my own. So it's my problem. It's my problem. Yeah. And so I did that, and uh, I, I loved it. I loved that the idea that I could tell my story. Um, I loved that all these really, really. I mean, for Warren McGregor, he was a really famous Canadian writer to actually write a review that he did on my book, was just I could go. I could go to the grave tomorrow. Where did, he, I, where did he write that, Kevin? Uh, he wrote it for the back of the, uh, the back cover. Right. And Alec Ross, the, the one guy that piled across Canada, James Raffin, one of the directors of the Kunu Museum, they all wrote rave reviews about the book. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot to do with you, Kevin's finally talking about his true soul. He's not talking about going from A to B. He's talking about something better. And um, it was a good read. So mm-hmm. I was nervous, though, Paul. Because I'm writing about a place that everybody loves, like Goffman Park. Like in the UK, I'm not sure if you can grasp this, but it's almost like, like everybody loves this park. And for you to write about it, you better make sure it's a good job or you're done for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like talking about the Yorkshire Dales or the Lake District or something in the UK. You know, it's a really popular area that everyone, that many people know and they've got their own experiences there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it comes back to what we're talking about, too. It's like when people read it, they're like, oh, yeah, Kevin Hashi has been in Algonquin many, many times, including this trip, and there's no facade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like he knows the park. So nobody can come up to me after reading that book and question me about what I know about Algonquin. it's mm-hmm. so.
0: no, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So the, the name of the book is Once Around Algonquin, An Epic Canoe Journey. And that's clearly available in Canada. We were talking before we started recording. It's available elsewhere as well. How can people? Yeah, yeah. How can yeah. people get a hold of it, Kevin?
1: Well, it's it's print on demand through Ingram Spark, right? Which which means is some brick and mortar bookstores will have it, some won't. Uh, some libraries will have it, some won't. But probably Amazon's for the UK. Amazon's probably the best because I know my cousins in in Edinburgh they ordered it and they got it in a week. Hmm. Cool. So yeah, because they print it right there. And it's told, that's totally different for me because I usually have a publisher do all that stuff, whatever. But, yeah, it's all it's a, it's all available. And I don't think it doesn't – it really doesn't matter if you don't know where Agonquin is. It's no. just a good read about canoe tripping and the philosophy of being in the woods.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it um, <laughs> in my two-page a night kind of falling asleep mode that I've been in recently <laughs> in, in the woods. But, uh, no, I've enjoyed the bits of it that I've read. And also, there is, again, as, as is always the case with you, there's some serious points as well. And there's, there's, there's a bit where you talk about, you titled that section, that little chapter is Algonquin, too dangerous for kids. And you talk about some more serious points there. And you also talk about who bears the responsibility if you go into the wilderness unprepared. And, you know, you cover... You know, not only do you cover quite a lot of ground in terms of the trip, you know, ge- geographically, you also cover quite a lot of ground in terms of the topics that you you touch on in and amongst the, the narrative of the book.
1: Well, the, the, yeah, there's some really serious stuff in there. The one about who's responsible, that's that's a key thing in, in Canada right now. I'm not sure if you what, what, what's going on in the UK, but so if you think about it, I, I go to Algonquin Park. It's a provincial park run by the Tarot government, not the Canadian government. But the same thing happens in national parks, even though Canadian parks are a little bit better on this. But you give them money, you pay for a permit, and you go off in the interior, and then people die. So I went to the government and said, should you not be telling those people what to do and making sure they don't die? And they said, that's not in our budget. Um, we actually can't have our nature interpreters be on the water because it's not covered by, by insurance. I was like, okay, you know, going back to the original question, you're taking them, their money to go off in the interior, but you're not telling them what to do proper. I have a problem with that. Mm. <laughs> and um, so that's covered in the book. And sure enough, you know, some people will be upset with that. But the reality of it is, who's responsible for people dying out there. Uh, yes, the individual is, obviously. like they, they they must be prepared. They must be knowledge. They, they must, whatever. But if you have, for example, a lot of people in Canada, we have uh, new Canadians that love the wilderness and they go out. Well, a lot of them can't swim, right? So in, in wherever country they're from, they don't swim.
2: Mm.
1: Well, should they know how to swim? Well, yeah, maybe. Um, but who's responsible to tell them that? So I open up Pandora's box, I guess, uh, with the, the youth, uh, I take a lot of youth out and what's happening now. And you and you and I, Paul, we've talked about this a lot. And I think it's a huge concern. I, I love taking youth out and I love seeing the magic happen. I love them reconnecting with nature. And it's just an incredible thing. But in the last couple of years, I have taken, uh, so many out from evacs because of anxiety attacks from mental breakdown. I have, in the last three years, I've taken 13 students out, second day of a, of a seven-day backpacking trip, all, all the individual trips. None of them physical injuries, all mental injuries. Kevin, I cannot do this. I want to kill myself. So you do. You, you basically do first aid. Okay, well, I will get you out, and I will get you into help, and good luck to you. But thinking, what the heck is going on? Mm
0: what what do you attribute i mean clearly it's your opinion but what do you attribute that to kevin
1: well they're not connecting but that's because it's day two Mm. and in the old days we'd just say suck it up you know and just keep hiking and then you'll be fine by day five but we really can't do that now right i mean if someone says i'm going to kill myself you just can't say keep walking Mm. Um, and I wouldn't do that to be quite honest I, I, I would get them out yeah but the other is um, uh, addiction whether it's drugs or because I've seen that but it, those you know my students are at risk I know they're addicted to drugs so we deal with that in fact those students I love them to death I I, I rarely evac any of them mm. they want to fix themselves like, and they they love being out there they don't they don't want to be at home but it's the normal students uh, that take out well whatever normal who's normal right but when they go out um, – But these are not students
0: at risk. These are just regular, no, regular college no, kids. Yeah,
1: a Regular outdoor – I shouldn't be all saying this, but the, the reality is there are students I take out in a, in a college program, second-year college students about to graduate from, from an outdoor leadership program. So they've gone to college to be guides, to become Paul Curley, right? <laughs> and I take them out for a seven-day trip, and on day two, they said, I cannot be here anymore, Kevin. You need to bail me out. Mm. So the ones that actually make it, and watch my old videos of hiking those students, and you see the magic happens. The ones that make it are fantastic. Yeah. The, ones, the second day, though, it's all mental breakdown. And I like, what the heck is going on? I, 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 I've I been doing this for like over 40 years, right? So I've never evacuated that many students in my lifetime. Mm. In the last two years, I, I, my God. And, what, and, and so- what
0: does one of these evacuations entail, Kevin? Well,
1: they all want the helicopter. That's a running joke. <laughs> they all want the helicopter. And, and I said, okay, you can't, you can physically walk out. So the helicopter's not coming for you. We, I have a sat phone, a spot device, whatever. So, you know, I have that new spot X where she actually can text, right? So I, I, I can do all that, but they're not coming for you because you can physically walk out. Mm-hmm. So we're, they're not. And to actually get them to understand that, I go, for a helicopter to come and get you right now, they have to lower down on cables, cut Trees down with chainsaws to lower the, the helicopter down to get you out because you have anxiety meltdown. I went, I oh, know it's not happening, buddy. Like, like I can walk you out. So we walk them out, and then I got to go back to my other students. And yeah, it's thank God I'm um, not that old. That, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds they,
0: like that sounds like a long day, Kevin.
1: Yeah, but that's our life, right? I mean, yeah. I, I do that in a heartbeat just to help them out because like, they they I do treat it like a first aid. They are having issues. I love these, these people. I'm not this old, cranky old man, right? <laughs> not, yet, not yet. Not yet. I mean, I will be like, doing this, whatever. But the problem is, is like, okay, why is this happening? So I keep thinking, okay, so we get together afterwards Well, all the people I work with. It's okay. Addiction. Is it drug addiction? Well, it might be. Uh, is it phone addiction? Hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I'm a very open-minded person. I'm not knocking technology and anything else, but yeah, I think day two, they're like, oh, my God, I can't be on the phone for another six days? Oh, no, I, Oh, I'm going to, no, Kevin, Kevin, I'm going to kill myself. And mm-hmm. then, they, then they get hauled out. Here's the thing that scares the living Jesus out of me, is that a pile of them go back and, and say, oh, I just found out I'm failing. Yeah, well, you didn't finish Kevin's cl- class. Like, it was a seven-day trip. And on day two, you got hauled out. Well, that's not fair. I should still pass. And I shouldn't be telling everybody about this, but this fall, I finally walked away from all that. I, I still take the students a risk, out, but I quit that other job. I said, I'm done. I, yeah. I need a break. I, I can't handle that. What do you mean? I failed you. No, you failed yourself. There's a big difference of failure. Yes. Like, like you, I did not fail you. You failed yourself. And if you think I failed you, then someone has to teach you that that's not right.
0: Yeah, you gotta take some personal responsibility.
1: Yeah. Well, the only big thing about it to make everybody feel better over there, nobody would ever hire any of them. <laughs> I mean, the outdoor world is very small community and no way is my name going at anybody's paper. Right? So it's like, like the one even though Canada's a very large country, I know everybody. I mean, I'm I'm old, I've been around for a long time. There's no way that one those those students will ever get a job. Mm. So, if you're a client out there thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to take a trip," no,
0: yeah, I, I mean that's say, a genuine concern, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah, but no, I can still say the people they're taking people out right now are solid, mm. especially that Paul Kirk.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't die on the spay, so yeah.
1: I did. We we, oh, we we thrived for sure.
0: We did, and we had we had Ray Goodwin looking after us anyway, didn't we? So,
1: I know. Remember the last day, though. Oh my God, that was I, I, that was, I was brutal.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, here I'm thinking. Oh, I got to really look at what my skill set is. I, I can't do this. And of course, I look at all you guys. And you're like, oh, I don't think. I'm surprised we would lived through all that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was hard work. It was hard work yeah. as a so, as a solo boat in those conditions. It was hard work.
1: Well, so. you know what? What it, it comes down to what we've been talking about. It's like it's the mental fortitude. It's like. How we got through that last day was we've done it before. Yeah. But you know what? I, you can't teach anybody that because if you just started out, I can't say you can do this long portage because you did it before. And, of course, the person says, well, I've never done that before. I say, oh, you poor bugger. Mm.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, you got to build up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and meet the challenges. But at some, at some stage, you have to kind of bite the bullet, don't you, and just grit your teeth and, and get on with things.
1: Yeah, the one thing too is just so you to help you out too. There's a lot of trips I do where I don't bring the camera.
2: Mm.
1: So you know, people say, "Well, gosh, you're out a lot," but I only saw a few of your videos. I went, "Yeah, there's a lot of trips I don't film, and there's a good reason for that. Because if I'm just living to do the trip so I can videotape it and do a YouTube video, yeah, that's not. I mean, that's a trip. I'm not knocking that, but." My my buddy Andy helped me with that. He he, dro- he dropped off one day. It was, oh, it was, it was actually the year. I, oh, yeah, it was, it was after I made his link, because he actually said I uh, wasn't allowed to plan any more canoe trips because that last one we did was stupid. <laughs> so uh, he showed up, My and he knew I had eight days off, and he showed up. He goes, get your stuff together. I'll give you an hour, and we're going on an eight-day canoe trip. I went, where? He goes, I'm not telling you. I went, what? He goes, yeah, you guidebook author. like." You you are you're obsessed about where you're going all the time. I'm going to take you somewhere where you don't know where you're going, and and he goes and I don't want you to bring your camera. I went son of a. <laughs> <laughs> but he's
0: but yeah he's right because uh, I I found that at times where you you're out and you you start doing things because you're filming or you have to slow down to make time for filming or. it distracts you from the actual experience of being there and i think it's great that we spend time doing that and we take people along with with us and we enthuse them about doing things on their own but equally it's not the same experience as if you're doing it without filming and you can cover more ground you experience things more directly yourself and it's a different experience it's a more uh, real experience in some ways
1: yeah because you're not documenting it at all yeah. and, and i you know spent a lot of my life doing that right and not knocking whatever but it, it's like, we're, we're, imagine this okay so you know you go through a separation you don't want to date anybody and then you're 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 teaching a whole bunch of people uh women how to um, paddle uh, stern instead of bow and then this one particular person I'm talking to and my daughter comes out to me and said, you know, you, you know, you should date her dad. I said, like, well, I'm not, I'm not ready for dating. No, no, no. I'm not dating ever again. Like, no, no, no. And she goes, no, I think you should because she's quite normal. You, you don't know a lot of normal people. I went, like, what? <laughs> and you can imagine like, yeah, I, I live the life of the arts person. Right. So I have people randomly stay here and visit me that, amazing people but they're all in the arts so they're all unique right mm-hmm. and well in first of all this woman uh, you know da- dating now for two years she's not a normal but the perception is that she is so but the Rel- thing is, relatively relatively so here's relatively. the thing that you guys would just love do you put her on video or not yeah right and for a long time we i think we did five trips together where i didn't bring a camera and for me to do that that's kind of weird like for me to do a trip and not bring a camera and write about it because I have to write a blog every every week. I have to do a bunch of videos and whatever. And I just Yeah, did. well I
0: guess you I guess you think you're leaving money on the table and and that sounds maybe a little bit too mercenary, but it, it's the raw material for what you do for a living, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, right. it is. And I just wanted to keep that life separate because I'm thinking, no, this is a no, I don't want to do this. And then one day I just said, I can't do that. It that's impossible. The way that I unless I change my lifestyle, I can't do that. People want to know what I'm doing and and you know what I'm, I'm fine with this relationship too in fact actually she's hilarious on video I don't know if you've seen yeah on video but my god the woman's hilarious and um, yeah and everything's fine but man uh, there were some times where I just the, the camera wasn't going out of the box.
0: Well it's good that you've managed to blend that and um, that works. Uh, so what's next? We've. I think people should read should read the book if they haven't seen the videos as well. They should watch them because I think they complement each other really well. You haven't just rehashed the videos into a book form. I mean, I think the the meanest link videos are really entertaining to watch, um, and then the book. But you must have other plans. You've always got plans, Kevin.
1: You know what? You really always have to have other plans. Uh, don't ever live your life on the things you did. Mm. I know presenters that, that present with me at all the shows. Some of them have, are still presenting on what they presented 20 years ago. Right. And they, they get a good crowd whatever, but to be on stage and talking about that or to be on film and talking about that. Like, eh. So I always think about the next storyline and there's some other, and this was the first year where I usually by like just after Christmas, I have my whole plan set out. Even though I don't seem organized, but I usually am for these things, I have my whole plan set for that that summer where I'm going to go canoeing or backpacking or whatever, and I didn't. And then, it, it, like it was just like three weeks ago, I was like, Kevin, like, you, haven't, you don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm in a panic, and it all happens. It, things will, will will just fall on you. I had uh, talking about the Spay River. This is amazing. I had a guy from Oh Joe Henry Bourbon. That lives in, was uh, along the Wisconsin River, and he phones me up and he said, "Kevin, I saw that Spay River trip you did a long time ago. Yeah, in Scotland, you went and tasted whiskey along the Spade River in Scotland." Went, yeah, yeah. Can you do the same thing in along the Wisconsin River, mm-hmm. but went, Yes, yes, I can.
0: Absolutely. And are you are you going to do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's all set. At the at the end of August, early September. Um, the other is uh, awesome. wow. There's a place in. S- sort of central Ontario, where it's full of cottage country areas, but there's lots of canoeing. Mm-hmm. And the one person said, can you paddle from along the Trent Severn waterway? So basically this, this canal that you would have canals in England. Yeah. And I, I decided to do that, uh, to write it up because mm-hmm. I, I think, okay, what's going on now is in Canada is that, when when I started out back in the 70s, the average canoe trip was 20 days, and then, then then in the 90s, it was five days, and now it's just two nights, and I'm really worried about that. I, I I get that people only do the weekend warrior thing. I get it because they're busy at work and stuff, but you don't really reconnect with nature, and I've been fighting that, and I'm trying to get people to go north and, and go to like the, you know, the Barrens where you're going and stuff, and it's just not working because... We have a new canoeing has increased in popularity, by beyond belief, like it's just skyrocketing, but they're not going for more than three days. So I thought, oh, how am I going to do this? So if I go to where they are and promote them to go canoeing around where they are, like mm-hmm. the temperature like they did last year or like this year in, in college country, they will go. And then they'll feel more confident and more comfortable with their surroundings being more immersed in wellness. And in fewer years they'll be going north to go mm. into your parents like you did or do, you are do you think
0: i mean i i don't know I'm, I'm genuinely asking the question um do people go to summer camps as much as they used to in canada because i would have thought that if they go into to camp for you know weeks at a time then the thought of being out for weeks at a time wouldn't be that difficult as a concept
1: yeah we we, we do have that uh a lot of those camps that do really long trips are more american-based camps that are in canada right um summer camps that may basically meaning that if you don't have a ton of money but you still want to go to camp they're doing shorter trips right yeah so yeah. the big extensive trips like uh like certain camps in in Algonquin and and tomogamy I mean, they're doing the, the crazy, crazy trips where it's amazing. I can watch videos on YouTube of these kids doing these trips. There. I think they're amazing. Mm. But you're going to have to have some dollars behind Right, them. okay.
0: So people aren't naturally getting the experience as young people, and so it's all quite uh, alien, even as an ad- adult. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, w- while we're having a huge problem now with the, the the way the government's going is and the way that, that school boards are going too. big be- there was an incident last year in Algonquin Park uh, where there was some there was a drowning and it was to do with a school trip. And they weren't even canoeing, they were just swimming. Mm. And, but the short of it is, the one person didn't pass their swimming test but still went on the trip. And when the media hit all that, there's a whole bunch of school boards, for example the school board that surrounds uh, Toronto cut all funding towards any canoeing program. Really? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that used to go on canoe trips are now not going. Scarier part of that, Paul, is because I'll get furious on that and I'll do everything I can to actually get that started again because that's just ludicrous that we're not getting Canadian kids on canoe trips because some administrators worried about being sued. I mean, that has got to stop. And if I I don't know what I can do, but I'll I'll spend my life trying to fix that. But the worst part about it is the majority of students don't want to go.
2: Hmm.
1: That's the problem. I mean, because if you have the only thing that's going to solve that is some high school teacher that's always taking kids on a canoe trip. And now that high school teacher is getting older and, you know, maybe more opinionated and then all of a sudden some administrator is saying you can't do this and they have to fight it and they're this and they're saying well i don't even have students that want to go screw it i'm just going to retire yeah right Mm. so we need we need like we talked about we need a new water walker we need some type of boost of morale We, we we really need a boost of morale here and and to get people out if if we don't get people out in the wilderness we can kiss wilderness goodbye
0: yeah if you don't know it and love it then you're not going to protect it are you no, we've, but, talked, we've talked about that a lot before as well, and I think yeah, it's, it's worth reiterating.
1: We have to tell a funny story, because this is depressing, all right? So, <laughs> we're finishing the Minas Lake, you imagine this. We're finishing the Minas Lake. Um, imagine being out in the bush for three weeks, doing 102 portages, 68 kilometers of portaging. And you come around the corner, and uh, there's hundreds of people at the dock, and you're thinking, hey, are they all here to congratulate us for finishing? No, it's a bathtub race. <laughs> it's a bathtub race going on in the town of Huntsville, and they're motoring these bathtubs with motorboats or motor engines across the water. And we get in the midst of it, and the organizer is yelling at us to get out of the race. Why- well, we don't- And that's how we finished the music.
0: <laughs> that's very fitting for you and Andy somehow. <laughs> and all and and all the more so because that kind of just happens to you all the time and you don't even need to organize it
1: yep <laughs> you're on the camera and you got a show <laughs> amazing
0: so yeah i look forward to what are the crazy things come out of your uh current plans particularly the uh the bourbon trip but also the cottage country trip because it is beautiful around i mean it has got more clearly it's built up and there's cottages and are you going through the sort of kawatha lakes is that part of it
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i'm gonna start near the uh just past the Korthos and near yeah. and then yeah. head to. Jersey. and I, i'm actually following an old historic canoe route that i've always wanted to do yeah. so when you ask me to do it i had no problem doing yeah, it yeah it's, it's beautiful That's it's
0: cool. still beautiful around there even if it's more populated than some other parts of ontario
1: well, I, th- I think too, it, 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 you know, you guys over there have paddled a lot of the canals and e- even though it's not wilderness, it's still a nice paddle, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's still water. You still got the connection with the water. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we should, we should, I know we keep saying this, but we should have a think about what we can do. If we can do anything else in the future, that'd be fun.
1: I I would go back to your uh, country in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, uh, and, or if you want to come here, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we had a good time on that trip. I think it had a lot to do with the, you know, the scenic pleasures and whatever, but also the group dynamics. That yeah. makes a lot of difference on a trip.
0: It does absolutely. It make it makes a break makes a tri- break a trip. I can't even speak, and I haven't even had as much whiskey as you. I'm, I'm- oh am lord! <laughs> it is it is after ten o'clock in the evening here though. It's twenty past ten in the evening. So.
1: Oh it's just dinner time here mm, oh my god.
0: yeah maybe my brain's slowly switching down no it, it i think it makes or breaks a trip actually having good people definitely you know if yeah i you
1: do- you, you love all the willingness around you but if you don't like the people around you it's, it's going to be terrible or you do a solo trip you don't like yourself god help you
0: <laughs> yeah well it is um it does bring your personality into sharp focus uh, in front of yourself when you're doing solo trips because you've got no one else to blame i think it's all i think that's one of the things that it's easy to do if you're on a trip you you not a guided trip when you're guiding other people but when you're doing a trip with a few other people that you maybe more peers it's all too easy I think to blame them for certain things or you know any negative thoughts you can throw them onto other people whereas when you're on your own you've got to kind of face up to the reality yourself and that's you have to be yourself but it also it, it's an opportunity to develop yourself as well I think in that sense.
1: It, it, it's funny what you said that because um, I, I do a trip every spring with my buddies and it's a fun trip. But in one sense, they're like, well, Kevin will plan it. Kevin will do this. Kevin will do that. I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. That's my job. Like, I don't Mm. And so what happened was we always go to Algonquin because Algonquin's still frozen. Uh, I had to change plans to somewhere more south. But it's all to do with trout. Like, we go out trout fishing. And that's obsession with us, right? If we don't catch trout, I I head out in two days. If we don't catch trout on this trip, I'm a dead man. (laughs) Because I've changed everything. For well, what do you mean? We're not going to Algonquin? Well, we can't. It's still frozen. Uh, we're going to Halliburton, and it's just south of there. And do you know these lakes? Well, I used to catch trout there when I was young. I've been there. Ever. What do you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all up in the air.
1: Oh no! And and of course, if it's a bad trip, it's all my fault. If it's a good trip, nobody will say anything nice to me at all.
0: No, no, no. That's there's no there's no thanks.
1: No. Oh man, Paul, oh, I, I like it hell. I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: Sounds terrible, Kevin. Sounds terrible. Canoeing <laughs> and fishing and with your buddies, it just sounds awful. Oh. <laughs> and that's you're kicking off in two days with a wet sleeping bag. By the sound of it. I
1: uh, yeah I know. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs>
0: did no. you get all your gear in in the end, or did your neighbour get?
1: Uh, I just walked away and let my neighbour do it all. My but,
0: goodness, yeah. you're very trusting.
1: Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not sure I trust my neighbours with my camping gear, particularly not just before a trip. Well,
1: you, you, my neighbours think I'm whacked. I mean, you think about it, living beside me. Like, first of all, like, is Kevin ever home? <laughs> 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 and uh, the other is, well, well winter camping. Like, it would be minus 40 here. I live up in a hill across a lake, and it's really cold. And I'll be packing for a winter trip, and they just look at me like, are you you are insane. Insane, yeah. And I said, no, you guys have a good time watching your Netflix. I'm good. I'm good.
0: Good in the tent. Good in the hot tent. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I love hot tents. I mean, we talked about this before, so we, we, we shouldn't go down a winter camping rabbit hole. They can listen to the uh, the previous uh, conversation that we had. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it's such a special, when you, when you get that tent up and you get inside and you get the stove on and it warms up and it's just a great feeling, just that that it's been cold outside all day and then you're in that cozy atmosphere and it's just like a home from home it's it's great
1: it makes a big difference i did a bunch of workshops this uh winter on winter camping and i I covered everything from uh what we call cold tenting like in a regular tent and or or putting up a a lean to whatever and then i did hot tenting and i had mixed people up but the end i said okay forget all i taught this morning about cold tenting you have to hot tent like Mm. it makes i I get it to travel distance uh hauling a hot tent makes no sense but to have a warm hot space to get into and dry everything at night and the greatest thing ever and you you would see this too where you all your workshops is when you then taught that and then found out half the people tried it afterwards and contacted you and said they had the most beautiful time in the wilderness
2: Mm.
0: Oh, that's wonderful
1: yeah. yeah feedback is good feedback is really good i mean i, I think one of the most memorable times I was going to I, a book i wrote but it was a uh, I wrote some guidebook and i'm on a trip that i wrote about and there's a family paddling and they got the book and the daughter's reading the book in the middle of, of the canoe saying kevin callens has to go here <laughs> he, says he can't here and i'm thinking oh my god this is really embarrassing because i'm paddling right by them and they're like, hello. I went, Hello. Yeah, my name's John Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did they not recognize you?
1: No, which is good, because that would be embarrassing. But, that's hilarious. Yeah. But it was but then at the the end of the day, I remember writing my journal. I said, Yeah, I made a difference. Yeah. Right? I mean, I got them out and, and as a family and it, it they, they reconnected to nature, and that's fantastic.
0: It is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I should probably let you get on with Drying out your <laughs> soggy camping gear.
1: Oh my lord! I, I don't think we have ever had a, a podcast where the the guy was running around trying to save his gear. No,
0: that was exciting. Yeah, yeah. some real kind of you know cinema verity kind of thing going on there, where we, you know live on the spot with Kevin trying to keep his camping gear out of the rain. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> amazing yeah well i hope it's uh i hope it's a good trip how long are you going for a week a week awesome yeah
1: and then actually i get two days off and i go for another week uh yeah
0: yeah it's a tough life
1: i know it's terrible
0: <laughs> well you've created it for yourself and i think that's that's again one of the things that you know people don't see that it's hard work to to build a type of lifestyle that you lead and you know mine's not the same as yours but you know we we've kind of created our own ways of being and it takes some work and some sacrifice and so i'm i'm glad that it continues to work and i'm glad that the self-publishing thing has has worked and uh, i will enjoy reading the rest of the book without falling asleep <laughs> now that i'm back from the woods for a little while and uh, although i am i'm up with uh, i'm out with ray goodwin for a couple of weeks starting next weekend so we've got oh, a fantastic. We've got our expedition canoeing skills courses up in the Lake District, so we're doing that. So uh, I'll, I suspect I'll finish it off while I'm there. Um, oh, that's fantastic! But, and that'll yeah. be a good—that'll be a good setting to to finish the book. So
1: I, I, you should actually get a video of you sitting around the fire reading the book to Ray.
0: I will. I will do and, that.
1: And say the reason why Kevin said this is that like, I—Kevin I, didn't think Ray knew how to read. <laughs> See where that goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will catch him with that. Well, and this podcast won't be out until after I've done that, so he'll be none the wiser. Oh, okay. so I'll be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll see if I can catch him. I said, Ray, do you mind if we just do a little? Yeah, in between the in between the if I if I can't do it with students around, definitely in between the two courses. Hey, Ray, let me just read you a section of this, and I'll, I'll video. Oh it my
1: lord! Oh go. No. <laughs> oh i'd love to be a fly on the wall
0: on that one read you a bedtime story ray (laughs) cool yeah i will do my best to do that um so kevin thank you as always it's been an absolute pleasure and we've somehow managed to ramble through nearly two hours there Um, Seriously? yeah seriously a a random walk through two hours of the mind of kevin callan's always fun so thank you very much that's
1: scary (laughs) oh lord (laughs)
0: <laughs> so yeah i don't know we've kind of we'll just so we just stop the tape there done <laughs> all right
1: all right you no. uh you keep getting out there get uh, uh get people out there and oh my lord i'm, I, I'm only i haven't even finished my third dram yet i mm. <laughs> so yeah.
0: almost so, as much fun as our debrief podcast after the uh, the spay trip do you remember that,
1: that? good no, you think about that. After that trip, you'll, I only need half a dram and I'd be passed out. Yeah. Oh, my Lord.
0: Yeah, you keep on, keeping on doing what you're doing, Kevin, because it's enjoyed by many people. And um, uh, I hope those of you that are listening to this go out and get Kevin's new book, Once Around Algonquin. It's uh, a good read. And uh, definitely check out the videos, too, on Kevin's YouTube channel if you haven't watched them already. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast you'll definitely enjoy those so thank you kevin for taking the time and we talked for quite a long time before we started recording as well and then we could talk for another two hours so i appreciate you taking the time kevin as always because i know you're busy
1: oh no problem paul actually yeah uh kinder spirits man yeah thank you thank you
0: well thanks again to kevin for taking the time and sticking with the conversation despite his camping gear at risk of being lost out in a storm All the links to various videos, books and authors are included in the show notes on the page dedicated to this podcast on my site, which you can find and go straight to at paulkirtley.co.uk forward slash podcast 46. That's paulkirtley.co.uk forward slash podcast 46. And if you're not already subscribed to my email updates there, then please join while on my site at paulkirtley.co.uk. There's a sign-up form on pretty much every page on my site. You'll then be among the first to know about not only my podcasts, but also new videos and articles on my blog, as well as other less public online materials. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you Being a listener to this podcast, I appreciate you listening to this conversation with Kevin. As I said at the beginning, if you enjoyed it, please share it out so that other people can hear the messages. Kevin always has a serious point, but he does a fantastic job and is very skilled at wrapping it up in amusing stories or light conversation. But there were some important messages there, I think, and ones that are definitely worth sharing so please do that and if you haven't caught all of the previous conversations with kevin please go back and have a listen there's a really good range of conversations that we've had in the past from canoeing based conversations to winter camping based conversations and also conversations around our journey on the spay along with ray and justine as well in the meantime Have fun on your own adventures in the outdoors. And I hope this has inspired you to get out and connect with nature. Take care. Bye bye.